on and glorify him in the building. If you're thankful tonight, I believe if we look back over our life and just take a trip down memory lane, we can look at all the things that God has done for us. How he's made ways out of no ways. How he's provided when we couldn't see our way. What an awesome God we serve. I mean, just this week, I know it's Wednesday, but you ought to think back what God has already done. We were on our way here, and I was looking at the other lane, and there was an accident. A car turned around the other way. God is yet providing. He's yet protecting us on every side. I know sometimes we take little things for granted, but somebody ought to glorify him in this building. Because he loves us so much that he would watch over us. We bless his name on tonight. Let's pray. Father, we honor you tonight. We just thank you for another opportunity to come into the house of God. We thank you for your word. For your word declares the entrance of your word give us light. So God, we pray that your word will illuminate our life. Because you don't desire us to walk in darkness. Matter of fact, your word declares that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God, you want us to see where we're stepping. So God, open our understanding on tonight. God, I come against anything that would hinder us, God, from being able to hear your word tonight, to allow it to be planted in our hearts that we won't sin against you. God, let your word flow freely on tonight. Give us ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. And Father, I pray that David may decrease, that you may increase. God, I yield my members unto you on tonight. Though I'm prepared, I pray that the Holy Spirit will take full charge. Because you know what your people need. And Father, we're hungry, we're thirsty on tonight. And you say that you withhold no good thing from us. So God, have your way in this place. Let your glory be revealed. God, empower your people like never before. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad to see you on a Wednesday night. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's house. Amen. We're going to dive right in. Amen. We got a little work to do. On Wednesday, we begin our series entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? And tonight, we're going to make our second installment in this particular series. So I want you to go to our launch pad scripture, uh, which is St. John's 10 and 3 through 5. And we're going to uh, just read that in your hearing on tonight and uh, kind of bring us up to par where I want to uh, start on tonight. So John 10 and 3 through 5, we see here that the scripture says, To him the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." So we began on a Sunday, we talked about the fact that this is Jesus, and Jesus is using this allegory 
talking about a sheep and a sheepfold and the good shepherd. And he shines a light on three particular things. One, who he is, who we are, and what we have been called to do as believers. One, we realize that the good shepherd is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, then secondly, we understand that we are the sheep. And then thirdly, we have to understand that he is the one speaking, and because he speaks, we have an obligation to hear him, uh, to hear exactly what he's saying. So we kind of talked about that the scripture tells us that first that God speaks. So our God is a living God. He's alive. He's not dead. He's not some statue that you put on the, the uh, bookcase, but he's yet alive, and he's living. And because he's living, understand, he's a speaking God. He speaks to us. He desires to communicate with each and every one of us. The Bible said that he would hold no good thing from us, so he desires to talk to us. He desires to communicate with us, and we saw that from the beginning of, uh, or, or from the beginning of Scripture in Genesis, uh, we see that Jesus, uh, or, or God, comes in the cool of the day, and He wants to commune with Adam. He wants to commune with Eve. He, he talks to them. Matter of fact, Genesis one and twenty-eight, we we said that then God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply." Fill the earth to do it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The way that they knew that they had dominion is God told them. He spoke to them, and he's yet still speaking. And we saw even in Genesis 6 that he spoke to Noah. Noah had never built an ark before, never been to school. He, he did not know what he needed and how to cut things and measure things. But God spoke to him. Genesis 6 and 13 and 4 says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them on the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it in and out, inside and outside with pitch. He told him specifically how to construct that ark. He did that by talking to Noah. We see that he talked to Abraham. He told Abraham in Genesis 12 and 1 uh, to leave his family and his father's house and go to a land I will show you. He, he says go. He told him to go. He didn't give him instructions specifically. He just spoke to him and told him to go. We see jumping in the New Testament. And I thought it as I was riding here, I, it, it kind of dawned on me. Uh, that God, uh, though he is speaking now, there was a time when he was silent. Uh, we understand that from, Ma from, from Malachi to new beginnings, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence. I can't imagine not being able to hear from God. Uh, so we see in, in, in the New Testament, in Acts 9 and 3 through 5, we find him talking to Saul, Saul, uh, who was a persecutor of the Christians or, or then those in the way. He was a persecutor of them. He, he would beat them. He, he, he would arrest them. And on his way to Damascus, the Bible says that he was knocked off his beast uh, and there was a voice that sounded from 
from heaven or spoke from heaven. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, uh, the God was speaking then and he's yet speaking now. You find him speaking in Acts 10 and 13 where he tells Peter uh, to rise, eat, and kill. Because Peter was talking about unclean food. Uh, uh, and, and the Lord God was saying, you know, don't call what I call clean unclean. Uh, he says, bless it and eat it. <laughs> so he tells them to, to, to kill and eat. So God is a relational God. He, he's a God that wants to relate to his people. And I'm so glad about that, uh, that, that he's not a, 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 a stuck-up God, that he, he's not a God that I got to have so much money in order to connect with him. No, no, and I got to have a certain status in order to, to, to get in the throne room with him. No, no, I, I can just come as I am. Uh, uh, and he will talk to me. Anybody glad about that on tonight? So we said not only does God speak, but uh, because he's speaking, we're supposed to be listening. Uh, John 10 and 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they know me. Uh, I was studying today um, uh, and I ran across uh, Psalms 40 and 6, uh, and here David is declaring that the Lord has given him the capacity to hear, uh, the capacity to hear and obey. Uh, I, I thought about that, that God has given us, those of us that are his, that he's given us the capacity, to, uh, the volume uh, in order to hear him. He's not a God that will withhold anything from whatever he has to say. Understand, he has given us the capacity to hear it. But the question is, yeah, are, are, are we listening? Are we listening at what God, really, since he's given us the capacity, that means that really there should be no excuse for us being able to hear God. Uh, he's given us the capacity. He's made it available, the opportunity uh, in order for us to hear him. So God's intent is for us to hear him. Why? One, because he created us. And because he has a plan for our life. He told Jeremiah, he, uh, he says, for I, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans of, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So only God yeah, I said only God knows the plans. Yeah, only he. We, we, we try to come up with our own plan. We, we try to orchestrate our own life. But the truth of the matter is, is that the, 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 the correct course, the divine course that God has purpose and plan for our life, only he knows. So if he knows, then we need to hear. We need to be in a position to hear him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Because he wants to instruct us in those plans. Not only does he want to instruct us in those plans, but he want to instruct us so that we don't thwart the plans of God. Uh, yeah, because we can be our worst enemy. Yeah, not being able or not willing to hear from God, coming up with our own plans and our own agenda. 
that ultimately many a times derail us from the plans and purposes of God and then we get there and then we have to turn around and come back and get on the path. I wish I had some witnesses in here. Somebody that's ever got off the path of God. Uh, you got on your own plan, your own agenda. Uh, but you realize along the way that uh, it, it doesn't look right. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't feel right. No, this is not God's will for my life. So I got to turn around and I got to get things right. Yeah. So it was never intended for us to have difficulty hearing God. Uh, I told you, Sonny, that he wanted us to be able to talk to him and him talk to us, that we hear him, that we hear what he's saying, and that we be obedient to it. But however, we do have challenges. However, there are some things and situations that there are some other voices that are often talking in our ear that prohibit us from hearing God. And the first one we said was our flesh. Yeah, Paul said there's no good thing found in our flesh. Uh, he says when he went to do good, evil was also present with him. Uh, so, so there's nothing good in this. But I don't care how much we try to purity it up, how much we try to exercise and get it in shape. The truth of the matter is that there's nothing good in it. Yeah, matter of fact, it prohibits us from hearing God often. Yeah, so our flesh is one voice. God is another voice. And then we said there is our arch nemesis, the devil. So we looked at a couple of, of, of things that would help us determine when our flesh is speaking. We said our, our, our flesh is speaking when, uh, because uh, our flesh is always in a hurry. Uh, we are in a society that wants quick results. Uh, we want to do things fast. Uh, we want to get to places Fast And oftentimes, uh, we're moving too fast to hear God. Uh, yeah, we're moving too fast. Many of us can attest to this. If we're truly honest, there have been situations in our life where we've been too hasty. Yeah, we moved too quick. Whether it was a relationship, whether it was uh, a job situation, whether it was purchasing something, whether it was saying something, we moved too fast. Uh, and it got us in trouble. And then we said, uh, you know when your flesh is speaking when uh, you're being emotionally driven. In other words, you're in your feelings. And I'm going to know when you're in your feelings, you know, your feelings can be a mess. You know, up one day and down the next. Uh, it just depends on what day you catch me, what time uh, you catch me. I, I mean, feelings can, can, can wreck us. Uh, and then we said, you know, your flesh is speaking when you're Willing to compromise, compromise. Flesh doesn't like order. Flesh doesn't like to be in subjection. Uh, no, no, we, we, we cry out when we have to uh, walk in line and do what's right and do what God has called it. That The flesh doesn't like it. Uh, so the flesh is looking for a way out. It's looking for a way to compromise what God has said. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we said another way uh, to recognize your flesh is speaking is those selfish desires. You know, it's all about you. You know, e e everything. I, 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 it's good to be selfish sometimes, but, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, you know, it, it just can't be about you all the time. 
No, no, you, you, you have to have a compassion for somebody else. Uh, yeah, it has to be beyond you. All right. Uh, then we said that uh, a couple of things when the, 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 that we can recognize when the devil is speaking. One, we said he lies. He lies. There's no truth in him. This is what John 8 and 44 says. Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He says he was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Uh, so he can tell no truth. Tell no truth. In Genesis, we find that he deceived Eve. He told her. That he, he, he put it out there. He, uh, matter of fact, she says, uh, uh, and the Lord said to the woman, who is this or what, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. He deceived her by what he said. Ah, yeah, 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 you, 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 you know, God does not, did, did he really say that? Uh, no, he, he just doesn't want you to, 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 to know what, paraphrasing, what he knows. No, he wants to hold something back from you. And that's the same thing that the devil is doing today. He's talking to us, trying to get us to question God, uh, uh, yeah, so, so, so we said that he wants us, and that's the second thing. We said that he wants uh, you to doubt God's word. He wants you to doubt God's word. Yeah, and when you start doubting God's word, understand you'll start doubting his goodness. Yeah, you'll start doubting his authority. You'll start looking at things and say, you know, well, maybe God can't do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe he does not want that for my life. I mean, we'll start questioning his love for us. Does God really love me? Uh, I mean, have you ever been there? You, 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 you've been in some situation, some, some uh, um, 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 situation that you found yourself in, and you looked around, and everybody else is going on, and you wonder why you're in that situation. And the enemy will come and say, you're in it because God doesn't love you. You're really going to serve him? You're really going to worship him? Uh, you're really going to read that word? You're really going to come to church? Uh, he really doesn't love you. That's the goal of the enemy, to make us think that God doesn't love us. Yeah, that he doesn't have a plan for your life. That, that those promises that he's spoken over your life are empty. Mm. I mean, when the devil is speaking, understand, he wants to create negative thoughts and confusion. Why? Because he knows that the mind is the battleground. Yeah, this is where the war is really going on. In our mind, if he can create some type of stronghold in our mind that would hold us captive, uh, that no matter what's happening around us, because we see that in our mind, we'll never be able to overcome it. He, he, his desire is to create negative thoughts in our lives because he knows that's where we're vulnerable at. Yeah, because that's the mind is where we, 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 we create our dislikes and our, our, our weaknesses and our fears and our insecurities. He knows that and he understands that the more negative thoughts that we have, the greater the stronghold will be erected. Uh, that you will believe that you'll never be able to overcome some of the things that your mama and daddy and sister and brother and all of them overcome. But the devil is a liar. 
Ah, yeah, yeah. That's his goal to keep us down, to keep confusion going going on. Matter of fact, the talented tent maker in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, for God is not the author of confusion. Understand, if there's confusion, understand the enemy yeah, is the cause of it. Ah, uh, yeah, he, he likes confusion. He likes chaos uh, in families. He don't like uh, uh, families getting along. He don't like husband and wives and, uh, and parents and children. No, he, he doesn't like family members getting along. That's why you see so much chaos at family reunion. He, he, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like unity and oneness. Uh, no, no, he, he doesn't like us getting along with people in our workplaces. He doesn't like us getting along with people in the church. No, he wants to raise havoc even in the house of God and if he can get a foothold in there guess what he coming yeah he coming to stir up stuff to bring chaos to, uh, to try to bring confusion in the house of God because he does not like harmony and order he mm, does not like harmony and order which brings us yeah to where I want to start on tonight yeah another thing that determines what helps us determine when the devil is speaking is that he always seeks to move you away from God. Yeah, always seeks to move you away from God. I mean, he, he'll start telling you, he'll start talking to you about loved ones. Uh, I, I mean, he, he'll start talking to, you, talking to you about your church. <laughs> yeah, he'll start talking, tell, start talking to you about church people. You know, how others are being blessed and you're not being as blessed as they are. Why does he do that? Because he understands the power of isolation. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't want us to come together. He doesn't want us uh, to worship together. He, does, he doesn't want us to pray with people together. No, he wants us isolated by ourselves to think that we can walk this journey out by ourselves, uh, that we don't need nobody else. He wants to make us think that we can fight the devil or fight him by ourselves. Uh, so he gets us out there, yeah, and often raises havoc in our life. When I thought about this, I, 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 I thought about uh, the man in Mark 5 where Jesus crosses over the lake to the region of the garrison and he's met by a man. He's met by a man who has been isolated. Yeah, and because he's been isolated, understand the devil has had havoc in his life. Yeah, the text tells us, if you go back and read it, that this man, as Jesus comes uh, to that region, uh, he, he runs up to Jesus and meets Jesus. And the Bible says that this man has been isolated for years, and he's been, they've been bound him, they, 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 and he's broken loose, and he's in the cemetery area, and he's cutting himself. Uh, and the Bible tells us that not only does he have one demon, yeah, the Bible doesn't say that he has two demons. But because he's been isolated, the enemy has been able to target him in multiple areas of, of his life so much that the Bible tells us that he has a legion of demons. 
Yeah, legion of demons that are tearing this man up because he's isolated. That's what the enemy's goal is. If he can ever get you isolated, if he can ever get you isolated by yourself where nobody's praying for you, where you can't connect with nobody else and pray uh, 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 and get uh, and get close to God, understand he can come in and he, he does not come by himself. Uh, no, no, no. He's coming. Yeah. Well, the Bible said, where a house is swept with garments, uh, uh, he'll bring seven more, more wickeder than the first. All he got to do is get you out there by yourself. Yeah, and I, 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 I've been pastoring over 20 some years, and I, 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 I see it. I, I know the evidence of it. I, I, I see it in, in when, when people start talking, when they start making certain moves. I, I can tell it that, that, that the enemy is trying to get them isolated so that he can do some work, some damage in their lives. But we got to have an ear to hear what God is saying so that we can defend ourselves against what the enemy is trying to do. Ah, uh, yeah, what he's trying to do. Yeah, so not only, not only will he get you, yeah, away from people, but he, he'll get you away from your assignment because he loves to talk you out of what God has assigned for your life. I, I mean, we see this in, uh, yeah, Jonah. Jonah is a great example of this. Jonah, if you go back and read Jonah 1, 1 through 3, we find that the Lord gives Jonah an assignment, tells him to go down to Nineveh. Uh, yet the, the text says that now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. In other words, he had no excuse. He heard God. Uh, he heard God. But he, he, in the midst of hearing God, he uh, listened to the enemy more than he did God. Ah, yeah. How often have God spoken to us in our lives, but we uh, negated what he said and, and, and listened to our flesh or listened to what the devil told us to do when we know exactly what God has said? Yeah, Jonah knew what God said. He said, go down to Nineveh, and I, I need you to preach to Nineveh. But we see in the text uh, that Nineveh was in his, uh, that, that Jonah was one in his flesh. He listened to his flesh because he, knew, he hated those down there in, 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 in Nineveh. He hated them. Even though God told him to go, and it was his assignment to go, and he wasn't, wasn't supposed to be moved by his feelings, he let his feelings lead him lead him away because the Bible says he went down to Joppa and he got on a boat to Tarshish, uh, the opposite direction in which he was supposed to go. Ah, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't allow the enemy to talk you out of going in the wrong direction when you know the right direction God has told you to go. Ah, uh, so he knew this. Not only do we see his flesh taking over him, listening to his flesh, but we also see that the devil has something to do with it because God was telling him to go down there to preach to Nineveh, to, to deliver, uh, and, and, and Jonah knew that if he preached that they were going to get saved. 
that there was going to be deliverance, and he didn't want them delivered. So we see here a wrestling in the spirit realm uh, that, that, that God wanted to free them, but the devil wanted to keep them bound. Uh, and that's the goal of the enemy. He doesn't want us to be used for his assignment in order to bring liberation to others. No, he would desire us to listen to him so that we would not do the will of God for our lives. Uh, uh, so you will know the devil speaking. Yeah, when he creates or when what he says creates fear. Fear. Fear of failure. Yeah, fear of stepping out on faith. Fear of being used by God. Fear that you are not enough. Uh, that, that your past uh, is holding you captive. Uh, fear, that, uh, fear of telling others about Jesus. See, fear can be crippling and controlling. <laughs> yeah, crippling and controlling. The devil, the devil knows this, and this is one of the most effective weapons that he has. He wants us to be governed by fear. Uh, see, because fear is the antithesis of faith. God has called us to walk by faith and not by sight. As believers, we ought to walk by faith. But any time that we're walking by fear, understand it's not God. It's the enemy. He's prodding us. He's trying to, to, to get us to abort what God has purposed uh, and planned for our lives because God wants us to walk by faith. Uh, yeah, yeah, he wants us to walk by faith. Uh, this is why 2 Timothy 1 and 7 said, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's what it is. It's a spirit. It's a spirit, uh, and if you let it in there, it will hold you captive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll hold you captive. Uh, it, it, it'll cause you to suppress what God has put inside of you. Uh, it'll cause you living years and years and years in fear and doubt and unbelief uh, because you, wanna, you, you listen to it instead of listening to God. Uh, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. So if you're feeling anything other than a power, love, and a sound mind in a situation, you know, what you're dealing with is not coming from God. Uh, it's not coming from God. If you're scared, Gideon was scared. Uh, that wasn't God. He was down in a wine press, pressing wheat in a wine press. Uh, you heard I said he was pressing wheat in a wine press. You don't press wheat in a wine press. Uh, no, no, but he was scared. He was scared. And because he was scared, the, the, the Bible said that the angels showed up yeah, and began to speak to him, began to tell him that he was a man of valor. And, and he wanted to go down his history line and talk about that he was the least of his family uh, uh, because of fear. That's what fear would do. It'll cause you to make excuses. It'll cause you to look at problems and situations like you'll never be able to overcome it. Uh, but I'm so glad he had an ear to hear. Yeah, the angel of the Lord. And we got to have an ear to hear the angel of the Lord when he's speaking to us to let us know that we're more than a conqueror, uh, that we can overcome it. Uh, yeah, that whatever we're dealing with does not have to have us. We can have it. Ah, uh, my God, Elijah. 
Elijah, it amazes me. Elijah uh, was, uh, was succumbed with fear. He was succumbed with fear after seeing the power of God working in and through his life, which lets us know uh, that you can do great things for God and the enemy still will come at you uh, and, and cause you to be gripped with fear. Uh, he had already uh, uh, come against the prophets of Baal and defeated them. And here is this one woman uh, that causes him to retreat, causes him uh, to go and hide and wish he were dead because he was scared of one woman when God was already working in and through his life. Don't let fear rule your life. No, no, don't, don't let it keep you down. Don't let it keep you from the promises and destiny of God. This Wednesday night, huh, God? Uh, uh, yeah, but God does not want the devil controlling our lives with fear. Matter of fact, he tells in Isaiah 41 and 10, the A clause, he says, fear not, for I am with you. God said, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, wherever you go, I'm with you. He said, I'll never leave you, neither forsake you. He said, I'm walking right with you. Uh, so don't be scared. Don't be afraid. And then in John 14 and 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He doesn't want us to walk in fear. Uh, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, so that we can hear God. So how do we know? How do we know? I got 15 minutes. How, how do we know when God is speaking? Anybody want to know when God is speaking? How do you know when God is speaking? The first thing is that God will never contradict himself. God never contradicts himself. <laughs> uh, God doesn't talk out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, no, no, no. If he, whatever he said... Understand, his word is going to back it up. Uh, you can't find anywhere that God goes against his own word in the scriptures. Because if you do understand, you can cast that whole scripture out. Because he says that his word is true. Yeah, heaven and earth, that's right, will pass away before my word return void. It's certain, it's true. If I spoke it, it shall come to pass. So it's important that we test what's being said by the scriptures. This is critical. And this is oftentimes where uh, we move too fast because we don't want to pause and test the word, test what we've heard by the word. Uh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to test it by the word. And we see this illustration in Acts 17 and 11. Look at what it says. It says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. So these people were hungry for the word. They received it. They ate it up. And he says, and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And that's critical because this day and time, people are saying a lot of stuff. Uh, y'all like, uh, I, was, I was, matter of fact, I was looking at something today and I ran across a, a, a flash where somebody was talking about how uh, 
uh, crystals have power and all, all these other things. I, I, said, I said, whoa, I said, isn't this the same person that said this? Uh, we have to be careful what our ears hear. Uh, we have to be careful what we entertain. Uh, uh, the Bible warns us of this, uh, that in the latter days, people shall depart from the faith, taking heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We got to be careful. There are a lot of devils going on, a lot of doctrine, a lot of things that are contrary to the word of God. Understand, we got to understand, whatever saved you, that's what it's going to take to keep you. Uh, we can't be looking for nothing new, nothing fresh. Uh, the word is the word. It doesn't get stale. It doesn't get old. It's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. If it's Savior in, 20, in 2021, it's going to keep you in 2050. Uh, uh, it's going to be the word of God that does it. Uh, so we got to be careful. He says, test it. Try it. Uh, so if you believe God is telling you something that contradicts something he has already said in his word, uh, that's probably not God. Probably not God. Uh, for instance, uh, 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 let's, walk, let's walk through this a little bit. Uh, one I thought just, just, just obvious, just obvious, uh, is that if you are saved and a single, Saved and single, saved and single, let me say, saved and single, all right, all right. And you believe that God has told you to hook up with a sinner. We have to question whether that's God or not. I mean, we have to question that. Uh, somebody's, I know somebody's saying, well, why? Well, what if they're a nice guy? What if it's a nice girl? You know, what if she looks good? What if... You know, she, 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 she's just nice. What if he's just nice? But the question is, are they saved? Yeah, uh, yeah. And now I understand, I understand that there are occasions where a saved person may meet a sinner and it does work out. But that person would probably tell you that it would have been less stressful. It would have been better if the person was saved. Yeah, I don't know if I have any witnesses in here that, that would testify of that or not. Uh, I mean, see, because the reality is, and I know somebody saying, well, I, 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 I mean, maybe you wasn't saved and he wasn't saved and you got married. Now, yeah, I understand it. Now, I know the Bible said a sanctified husband, a sanctified wife was sanctified. The husband and vice versa, I understand that. But understand that, that comes with tension. There's some tension there. There's some tension that you create uh, because we're not following what God has said. Because the reality is Christians and non-Christians have different agenda. There's, there's a different agenda here. Different objective when it comes to lifestyle choices. So it creates tension. It creates a struggle. And as Christians understand, we live for God. We believe in God's word. We believe the importance of honoring God with our daily life. And as Christians understand, we don't date for fun or to avoid loneliness or to experience uh, being with 20 or 30 people. 
Not as Christians. Not as being saved. Not, not, not knowing uh, God and having a relationship with him as Christians. Uh, I, I mean, Christians date on assignment. Uh, I, I mean, should date on assignment. Uh, I, I mean, you should be dating with the objective of finding the one. The one. The one that, that God has uh, or God will be pleased that you join in holy matrimony with. Because you do realize that when you join in holy matrimony, you join with them and God. There's three in the equation when you save. Ah. Ah. So Paul says, Paul says something significant uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 18. I had to do that in singles class. He says, do not be unequally yoked together. With unbelievers. Now, I, I know that the, the text is not necessarily speaking of marriage, but what it is speaking of is the danger of compromise to give in. I told you I've been pastoring twenty some odd years, and what I'm I, there, there's some experience along the way uh, that you know I, I, I we've counseled people, you know, that have come and told us that you know that's the one. You know, they wouldn't say, but that was the one. I mean, these people were in church. They were loving God. They, they, they were faithful in their commitment. Uh, uh, and when that person came along, it changed. Because compromise set in. Yeah, because, you know, the person sounded good, looked good, smelled good. Uh, and, and, and you have to be careful when... A person, uh, I don't know why I'm on this. Uh, you have to be careful uh, 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 of a person that uh, wants to take God's place. Wants to get in between your relationship and God. Uh, you have to be careful. Now, 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 now if, the, if the brother or sister, you know, if, 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 you, if they nice and, you know, uh, I, I can tell you what you can do. You, you can invite them to church. Because that's going to show something. And, and, and most of the time, it, 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 uh, it shows you, the, it, it exposes, y'all help me out. I, I like you preaching with me. Yeah, it exposes whether that person is from God or not. Yeah, 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 it is. I mean, they may come one time, two times, but, but if they trying to get in between you and God, in other words, uh, if they trying to get, uh, get uh, God out of your bed and him in the bed or her in the bed, then, then that's probably not God. Because God never will lead you into temptation. He says, I won't tempt you, I'll test you, but I won't tempt you. I, I won't lead you to temptation. I won't overwhelm you so much that you can't control your... Oh, let, me, let me go, let me go, let me go. Ah, I got to go. Five minutes, five minutes. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, so another, another way, another way that God speaks to you... <laughs> uh, is he will give you internal peace. Internal peace. 
internal peace. Yeah, I better back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. Yeah, yeah. Let me back up. See, because that, that's the reason. It's, it's, it's these difficult topics that the reason that some people don't want to hear God. See, because once you hear it, you become accountable for it. So, 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 see, see, we have to not only, I, I know we shout when, you know, we hear that God is going to bless us with a new house, a new car, you know, a new job, uh, the million is on the way, you know, hallelujah, you know, we shout and praise God, uh, and we want to hear that, but then we don't want to hear when he tells us, you know, we got to keep ourselves in subjection, you know, we got to obey his word. Uh, he's putting a mandate on our life. You know, we, we, we don't, we, we don't want to hear that, but, you know, we got to take the bitter with the sweet, you know, uh, along this way because, because God gives us that that's going to be instrumental for our success in life, and sometimes it's the bitter pill that we need. Yeah, Deacon Devin is not here, but he's always talking about castor oil. You know, when I was a child, I... I, I I hated castor oil. Yeah, my my, I, I, you know, I, I, I used to play like I wasn't even sick because they knew I, and my mama knew I was sick. My grandmama knew I was sick. They, they sweared by castor oil. Castor, you take some castor oil and it'll work everything out of there. Huh, and I, I can remember her putting it in that water and let it boil and let it, let it get hot a little bit and, and give you that spoon. Oh, my God. It, 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 it was bitter, but it did the job. And see, that's the way we got to be willing to accept the word of God. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come to him. I need to praise him when he's telling me I'm going to get things and all this is coming. But I also need to praise him when he tells me I need to bring myself down. I need to bring myself in subjection to his will. Uh, two minutes. Uh, so when God speaks, he, 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 you'll, you'll have internal peace. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You, you might have had a question about a job, uh, moving to an area, uh, going back to school. When God spoke, you had internal peace. That was, that, that, that was uh, you know, nothing could shake that. You knew that, that that was truly God. But let me say right here that internal peace does not mean the absence of external conflict. Uh, yeah, because God can give us peace internally in the midst of external conflict. See, oftentimes we judge whether it's God or not uh, by what's happening around us. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but God can move in the turmoil. He can give you peace in the midst of whatever chaos is going on. So we have to embrace that and we have to be willing to listen, listen for that, listen for that. Because sometimes we're listening to our flesh or the devil instead of waiting on God to speak. Okay, Jesus gives us this. Look, look what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, yeah, Jesus says this in Mark 4 and 24. He says, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Jesus says, take heed what you hear. He says, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you and to you who hear more 
will be given. So he's really saying what we hear will determine how we act. So we got to be careful what we hear. Uh, got to guard our ear gate to not listen to everything because it's going to determine how we act and how we act determines what we reap. Hmm. See, I, I, I want to reap some good things. I want to reap God's will and his plan and his purpose for my life. So I got to be careful what I entertain from a cultural standpoint because the world is saying a lot of stuff. People are saying a lot of stuff. People have their own truth. And you got to be careful that if it doesn't measure up to God's truth, it can't be truth. There's not but one truth. Uh, and then Luke 18 and 8, I hope you go back and look at these scriptures. It says, therefore, take heed how you hear. So Mark says, take heed, I just saw that, take heed what you hear. And then here it says, take heed how you hear. For who, whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away. Now, normally, we, we, you know, people use this and we, we start talking about uh, resources. Uh, but he says, what you hear is making you better or worse. Hmm. Because you can't stay the same. We're always hearing something. And whatever we're hearing is making us better or making us worse. Um, uh, hmm. A muscle can't stay the same. A muscle can't stay the same. If you work it, it's going to be strong. If you don't work it, it's not going to be strong. If you work it, it'll be up here. <laughs> and if you don't work it, yeah, it'll be <laughs> I'm trying to give you a visual. I'm trying to give you a visual. Don't <laughs> be going home looking in the mirror. <laughs> but what I'm trying to, trying to illustrate is that what we hear impacts our life. It impacts us. It, it, it makes us weaker or stronger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hear it. Amen from the baby. So Hebrews 2 and 1, I'm just about done. He says, therefore we give... Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Look at that. He says, you've heard some stuff that will position you in the right place. He says, but if you don't take earnest heed to it, you're going to drift away. So you've heard some stuff that has solidified your relationship with God. You've heard some stuff that has blessed your life over the years. You've heard some stuff that, you know, ha has caused you to be blessed. He says, continue to take heed to it because if you don't, you're going to drift away. And the Bible tells us that in the latter days, there's going to be a great falling away falling away. 
Because people are not taking heed to what they have heard. Because truth of the matter is, I mean, un unless you got saved this year, understand you've heard enough word to really keep you. Everything else is coming is just really rehearsing or taking you deeper in, into what you've heard. I mean, I've been saved. Wow, a long time. A long time. I'll equate that with how long I've been married. You know, I got saved at 19, married at 20. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a long time. 34 years I've been saved. So, I... I've heard a lot of word. I've heard a lot. And for me not to take heed to it and miss out on eternal life and glory, I mean, what sense would that make? What sense would that make for God to give us all this word and, 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 uh, and, and position us to be able to hear him only to lose out? So it's critical, and I'm, I'm done. It's critical to hear it's critical that we hear and listen to God's voice because God is the, I told you, God is the only truth. Do we see this in John 17 and 17? He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You want to know what's right to do? Nothing's new under the sun. There's nothing that you can go through that the word doesn't address. Question is, Will we accept what it says? <laughs> Will we accept it? Will, will we allow our flesh to become subject to what God says in his word? Or will we let our flesh, or will we let the devil lead us to drifting away? I mean, it's a blessing to be, be able to hear God's voice. This is what Matthew 13 and 16 says, but blessed are your ears for they see. Look at that. Huh. It says, bless are your ears for they see. Your eyes, I'm sorry. Your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. He's telling us that these are the, the two areas where, you know, that affect our life the most. What we see and what we hear. See, but when we hear God, we're blessed. We're blessed. I told you Sunday, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. That there are some things that God wants to say as we close 2023 and as we enter into a new year. And what God wants to say is critical because his words are setting us up for what he has planned for us next. So God is trying to get us ready for next. But what he's trying to tell, let us know is next requires a greater frequency. It requires a greater frequency. All of us want to go to new levels. Because nobody, I, we shouldn't want to stay the same. I mean, I, I want to be better than I was in 23. When I enter into 24, I, I, I want to be better. I want to be in a position where we're going to talk about um, uh, we're going to talk about positioning how critical it is 
of our position to be able to hear God. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. But it's critical that we have a greater level of frequency. Not only that, but God is trying to keep you from making some mistakes. He wants to make sure that you don't derail what he is trying to do in you, to you, or for you, and through you. He don't want us to derail that. I mean, going into a new year, I want to go into a new year right. I, I, I want to make sure that I close every door that I need to close in 23. So that he can do some incredible things in 2024. And it's going to take being able to hear him. Hear him. Anybody want to hear God? I say anybody want to hear God? I mean, that should be our desire to hear him because hearing him is vital. Hearing him is, hearing him is vital. So maybe that tonight, I'm, I'm maybe there's somebody tonight.